Welcome to The Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us, Sean. How are we feeling? Feeling good and ready to jump into a new movie review this week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a while. Definitely been a while, so I'll definitely... Uh, looking forward to this one. So uh, for today's episode, we're going to uh, discuss the movie The Banker. Uh, we'll share our thoughts, some key takeaways, and discuss uh, what part resonated with us and, uh, you know, all that good stuff for today's episode. All right. Uh, so, Sean, I think, you know, one of my issues is that I usually just start talking about it without laying down the foundation and talking about it. And I okay. think for this movie, we definitely need to give a little context to the audience before we go into it. Right. Give a little background on the story. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then if any of y'all like me have been kind of caught up in Watchmen and or Lovecraft Country from the last couple of years, this movie fits right into that time period. It's set like right in the 50s during that whole redlining uh, period where the Great Migration for Black people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, um, just a little context there. So. Yeah, all right. You know what? I didn't even think about it like that in regards to like uh, Watchmen and Lovecraft and the time period of, of those shows in this one. But uh, that is a... Uh, great point. Great point. Right. All right. So I guess we can just start off. So, uh, you know, the movie, it stars uh, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Anthony Mackie. Right. So um, my assumption is that everybody knows who at least Samuel L. Jackson is. And Anthony Mackie. Right. Uh, and the settings is in uh, the, the film is set and as Sean already said, the 1950s, right? So uh, Samuel Jackson plays Joe Morris, and then you have uh, Anthony Mackie's character who plays uh, Bernard uh, S. Garrett Sr., right? So they are two of the first African-American bankers in the United States. So that, again, the story follows them in the 1950s. So uh, with Mackie, it kind of starts off with Mackie, right? Like uh, just showing his... Uh, experiences uh, growing up in uh, Texas, right? He grew up in Texas Jim Crow era. So it kind of just gives a little context on his knack for business, uh, for understanding business, being, I guess, like a somewhat of a mathematical genius, but also uh, the uh, discrimination and racism and and, um, barriers that he was facing in order to uh, be successful uh, during that time, right? And then... Go ahead, go ahead, Sean. No, I was just gonna say you're absolutely right because um, I remember early in the movie, um, his dad, Anthony Mackie's dad in the movie, mm-hmm. um, had a had a quote where he said like, you know, because Anthony Mackie was shining shoes in the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. in front of the uh, his community bank in Texas, mm-hmm. and he would you know take notes on like some of the interest rates they're talking and just all the financial discussions that these people who were shining their shoes he would you know remember and take notes mm-hmm. so it was interesting when he when his dad found out he was like look we're in trouble doing that if they find out he, <laughs> right. he, he, he didn't recognize that his son had an affinity for math but he was like you were born the wrong color so mm-hmm. i just thought that kind of like speaks to what you were just saying yeah yeah no for sure so that that just gives us you know sets the backdrop for what's about to happen and uh so then i guess it transitions right and uh you know we sh- we see him as a as a, as he gets older, so as he gets older, he's already I don't want to say super successful, but he's relatively successful. Yeah, I would say right. Like, yeah, he he's had some business deals here and there, uh, but he moves to the 
moves to California with his wife, played by Nia Long, right? Um, yeah. And and in California, he's trying to get into real estate, and uh, you know, that's built his real estate business so far. So in California, he's coming across some challenges as well. Not as not as overt as Jim Crow in uh in, in Texas, but still definitely some racial barriers going on in, in California. But also um, you know, uh Nia Long's family looking at him like he's crazy as well. Like <laughs> Yep. I think Nia Long's dad said something like, What is your husband what does your husband have against working? <laughs> right, right, right. That was her uncle. Uh yeah, but yeah. Oh, uncle, yeah, uncle, yeah. Uncle, he yeah. definitely was like because he was, you know, when they moved over there, the uncle was already, you know, eager to get him um, a job at the factory, which, you know, as we know, we know that as black folks, we know the vibes, we know the story, you know, I'll get you a nice good job at the factory, they pay good money, they pay black people good money and all that good stuff. Anthony Maggie was like, nah, actually, I got a whole different idea. Uh, but yeah, uh, but you know, it was a joke about what he has against working, but it also sets, it's kind of like an inside joke as well, because we'll see throughout the movie that Anthony Mackie's character definitely has, uh, I don't know if disdain is the right word, but- Hang he, up may be the yeah, right word, yes. Yeah. Hang ups with these traditionally Negro populated professions like right. drivers and janitors, yep. Exactly, you know, even when it, even when it, even when he was in situations where it, you can see the benefit of just, playing quote unquote that role just to get the information you need right he definitely wasn't trying to do it he didn't want to pretend to be a chauffeur he didn't want to pretend to be a janitor and he wasn't about that life at all so there's a little bit of truth to that <laughs> along the way right yeah definitely uh so uh i think you know early on he was um uh he, what was the issues he, he couldn't get the bank loans he couldn't even get an appointment to get the bank loans because he was black even though you know, it was very clear that he had a, a keen eye and mind for investments and knew how to uh, evaluate businesses or real estate and how that, um, you know, how to appraise it appropriately. All of that good stuff that would make him, uh, you know, a rich man easily if he was not black. Right? Yeah, I think that was one of the skills he showed off. Um, obviously, he was a math whiz and he showed that off in the movie, but right. his ability to appraise properties and see the the hidden or not the hidden value necessarily, but just mm. the accurate value of a property, whether mm -hmm. it's a rental property or a you know a residential house, and like the kind of people you can bring into it. He was really good at analyzing real estate and the like change of demographics and realizing you know where the profit could be made. Mm -hmm. So exactly, exactly. But you know he's having those 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 hangups and those challenges. So then we get to Nia Long's character, his wife introducing him to a guy she knew from her past back in the day, which is uh, Samuel Jackson's character, right? Uh, Joe Morris. Now, um, Joe Morris is already, he's already successful, right? Um, he comes from a bit of a different black background, excuse me, <laughs> background, uh, not necessarily growing up in a super uh, restricted uh, environment, but still restricted Nonetheless, right? Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted, right? Um, so, but you know, grew up a little bit of a different existence, more of a come from means, more well to do, um, has money, um, and you know, already has successful businesses and real estate and owns nightclubs and everything like that. However, Anthony Mackie character was not necessarily keen on doing business with him uh, for a variety of reasons. 
One which I thought was funny is just the way they uh, contrast the two characters. Like I thought this it was very well done. Like Anthony Mackie, yeah. Anthony Mackie character was like a I don't know what you want to call it like a super straight edge straight lace yeah. like no nonsense. He really didn't have you know much. Uh, appetite for nonsense or even having he a joke. didn't jo- tell a joke to the third act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he finally told a joke and it was when the chips were down. When like, the well, chips were down, I- yeah. Up until then, he was always straight-laced, serious business, no jokes at all. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Samuel Jackson character was talking all the smack, all the trash, just messing around. But very smart, right? Uh, Samuel Jackson's character was definitely very smart. It's just at first, uh, you know, first impressions, you might not have gotten that especially if you're looking at it through the lens of anthony mackie's character right mm-hmm. right so then once you know so there was some friction at first he didn't even want to do business but after he kept getting shut down you know he was kind of forced to uh go back to samuel jackson and see how he could help him and you know um and and take it from there and you know started started really doing some good things and some and some good business yeah yeah, um, and then I, just before we move on, I know that uh, going deep diving into a little bit what you alluded to, he kind of hit a wall with his real estate plan. Ah, uh, yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Because of the uh, the white investor who mm. he wanted to buy his building and rent it out. Right. You know, so um, you know he had to do some convincing with that gentleman, and eventually, you know, he was impressed by his persistence, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they were going to go into business together with this piece of property that he owned and, you know, really bringing in the black community, the affluent black community in there to, um, to fill the vacancies. And then, um, the white man died before they could <laughs> finalize any of that put it in writing. So it really derailed him. And like, like you said, he had to really go to Samuel Jackson, someone who was nothing like him, right. but had the funds and had the access to the, to the capital that he needed. So actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that, I mean, that part, was in my mind and I was literally about to bring it up because I knew I missed something before he got to that part. So yes, thank you for bringing that up. So before he went and, you know, eventually said, all right, let me see what Sam, you know, Sam Jackson character has for me. He was making his own headway to an extent. He was getting shut down a lot, but he did uh, finally come across one uh, white gentleman who was willing to be partners with him. At first he shut him down, but Anthony Mackey's character was very persistent and saying, okay, you know, finally. So they were doing business together and they were actually making a lot of uh, good deals and, and both were, you know, very successful. The issue was is that uh, on paper, Anthony Mackey was not listed as a partner. Uh, you know, so they had their 50-50 partnership uh, but nothing was like formalized and in paper due to various obviously issues back then on, on even having that type of arrangement. So then once uh, his partner passed, uh, everything went to his partner's wife uh, and she basically um, undercut him uh, to an extent, you know, because there was no legal documentation listing Anthony, Anthony Mackey's character as a partner. Um, you know, there was not much uh, grounds for him to go to court and try to get his money. So basically, she stiffed him. She offered to buy him out at really pennies on a dollar, way less, mm-hmm. way less than what the property was valued for. And he really didn't have any means to uh, fight it. Even the lawyer, uh, the lawyer who knew the truth, wasn't willing to go to bat uh, for Anthony Mackey just because of the system and the 
you know. Yeah, and then the the wife that even said, you know, in that meeting, like, I'll, I have no problem taking you to court with a different lawyer and kind of, like, yeah. letting it know that even though this guy knows what the deal is, he won't be involved. <laughs> right, so, right. And the yeah. lawyer was like, I can't even testify because I'll get disbarred for telling the truth because it favors... Mm-hmm. Conflict of interest. Yeah, because it fa- favors... Uh, Anthony, you know, the black guy. So, you know, so that was that was just, you know, a lot going on there. So, uh, you know, he he figured out how to make it uh, and have these deals. But again, because of that vulnerability, had no real means to fight it. So then that's what led him into the finally going and accepting Samuel Jackson as, as a business partner, see what they could do there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, so from there. Uh, they're they're making deals, right? That for the most part, they are they are making deals and not really having too many issues, if I'm not mistaken. And it really was wasn't really having. Too- yeah, they were doing their thing in LA, and what really allowed them, they pulled a, a move. And I don't know if this is where you're going, so I'm sorry if I'm about. No, to go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Take it, take it away, right. take it away. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were running into some resistance, but they were able to finesse the system by basically purchasing the building that owned the bank that kept denying them and fellow black people all those loans. So that was their leverage. They were mm-hmm. able to purchase the building that owned the bank. And now that opened up, you know, their plans for bringing more black people into these communities and busting them out of those redlined areas. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we also now, so now we have to uh, talk about the next wave, right? <laughs> so this way things get dicey, right? Uh So, you know, even with that success, even with the money that was coming in, um, you know, it still wasn't opening all the doors, right? You still were going to, there was still, there was still going to be some barriers, right? So essentially what they started doing, uh, they hired a white person to front for them for the operation, right? And, you know, that, that, that's, that was very common. I mean, it's still common today, actually. Right? So like, there's always like every now and then you'll hear a story about this still happening in various instances where you know someone will hire a white person to pose or pretend to be the face of an organization, whether it's business or even you know to sell your house from appraisal and real estate, right? Um, so it's not like we're so far removed from that, but this is what was what they did, right? Because you know even with some of the issues, um, they they couldn't really close some of the deals. So they convinced this guy, Matt Steiner, um, and the guy who plays Matt Steiner, I'm forgetting his name off the top. I don't know the actor's name, but I do know that's Beast from the X-Men universe. You took it right out. You took it right out. I was about to say the same thing. I know him from the X-Men movies where he in the first class where he plays uh, Beast. Uh, But actually, his name is Nicholas Holt, right? So yeah. So he is introduced into the story a little bit early on as the friend of the cousin of uh anthony mackey so anthony yeah, mackey and that's jesse tr sure i remember him yeah survivor's remorse yeah mm-hmm. yeah so anthony mackey hires him early on to just help do renovations on some of the property that he already owns and then once you know they start getting the ball moving and can't get into certain neighborhoods you know samuel jackson and anthony mackey realize you know we we need a white face for this business uh in order to close some of these other deals and that's when they bring him in and, you know, essentially teaching him the basics of real estate investing, teaching him the basic of business and just how to even, I guess, fake it till he make it, pretend that he has money and that he comes from means in order to have these conversations and close these deals with people who wouldn't even 
consider looking at Anthony Mackie or Samuel Jackson's characters. Yeah. Right. So, so they had to kind of give him a, a, a crash course, not mm-hmm. only in banking, but also in uh, pretending to be an affluent white person. Right. Right. The they, golf lessons and all in the, in the <laughs> meal, the what do you call it? Cutlery lessons. Cutlery lessons, like all of that yeah. proper, uh, you know, what's the proper way to eat uh, in those circumstances and, you know, even certain foods and drinks and alcohol and beverages to drink. Right. So, um, yeah. So uh, it's 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 going pretty good right about up until that point, right? You know, things are things are going good. Business is going good. The real estate is going good. And then you know, then what happens? Anthony Mackie goes back to his hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, still sees you know, um, you know, still sees a lot of. Um, you know, issues with the banking system from where he came from. And, you know, he's trying to, he wants to do a bit more, right? And that's when he gets the idea of uh, buying the local bank in his Texas hometown in order to give loans to the black residents there, right? Because obviously the practices from the banks had excluded people from receiving loans for businesses and home ownerships, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's that was his next idea. He goes from real estate to banking, which adds... This is where problems starts coming in, yeah, Sean. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's more so if he had. St- and Samuel Jackson says this in the movie: if they keep kept doing what they were doing in L.A., mm-hmm. they probably would have been fine. But trying to do it in a more, you know, a more racist state of Texas, <laughs> right? Um, they they were asking for trouble. And Samuel Jackson, you know, he kind of knew that going in, but right. he was willing to take the risk with him. Um, but yeah, that was their downfall: is trying to do it in the state of texas right right like they were good it wasn't even an issue about whether they you know whether it was just another opportunity i feel like it was more just from a sense of community and you know trying to help someone else come up right because they were they were definitely doing all three of them was doing good in la or california beforehand um yeah and i'm sure part of him saw all how good they were doing in california and mm-hmm. he said i want to get back to my hometown mm-hmm. sure. so, yeah right 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 so yeah so now comes the next level of training, right? Where Matt, uh, Matt is the guy who who's been fronting for them all this time. They use him to buy, uh, to buy the bank. So he's fronting for Bernard and Joe, and it gets a little dicey now, right? Because although Matt is smart and able to pick up concepts and remember a lot of things, you know, you know, uh, that they're teaching him, you know, he's not able to think on his feet, and you know address a lot of those issues right in the spur of the moment as as good as Anthony Mackie or Samuel Jackson would do, especially for banking. It was one thing when they was talking about real estate. Now they're talking about banking, which is a whole different industry, right? Yeah, it's completely different. And, you know, Matt's advantage was that he's, able, he's a good memorizer, so mm-hmm. he can memorize all these permutations and these formulas and these steps to get to the, um, you know, the, uh, the valuation rates and stuff like that and the cap rates. But whenever it's a deviation from what he was memorized that's where he got caught up that's right and so now they're talking about the bank so now it's a whole different set of game ball game and i i will say during the process even from the real estate to them buying the bank when you see like the the measures and limps that uh samuel jackson and anthony mackie's character had to go through 
to be in on a deal without letting them know that they were in on a deal, right? Like, um, you know, hiding around corners, eavesdropping on the meetings, you know, pretending to be the janitor um, and, you know, uh, being in that company because they felt like, you know, they won't know what they're talking about or can't really try to, they wouldn't even be able to comprehend. Meanwhile, and you know, Jackson and Mac, you're giving signals to Matt to be like, say this or do that, right? And stuff like that. Uh, it's very, very telling, right? Very telling. But now we start getting into some trouble. The trouble really begins when they get the bank and then the local people are, uh, are suspicious, right? Because he's one of the bank executives uh, who worked there, uh, his father owned the bank, and he starts tracking the records of the loans and following Matt and realize that all these new loans are being given to black people. He is uh, clocking them hard. Seriously. Like, like he, he asked immediately in that initial meeting, who are these two names? Right. Right. He, right. he wants to know who those people are. He's clocking the amount of loans they gave out since they opened. He's mm -hmm. like, you gave out 18, 19 loans. Mm -hmm. How are you able to find qualified people so fast? Like they were really Stop. Right. He was relentless, relentless on this. And, you know, I would say for the most part, Matt did a good job of evading <laughs> and dodging the situation. But, you know, he wasn't really built for it. He was going to get caught up sooner or later. Right? Yeah, he was out of his depth at that point. And this guy, <laughs> yeah, this guy clearly had grew up in the banking world. So Right. So, uh, so eventually... Uh, the the bank executive finds out, discovers that Matt is fronting for Jackson and uh, Mackie, and you know he threatens them with exposing the truth, which would cause a, a run on the bank. And for people who may not be familiar, that a run on the bank is essentially everybody trying to take their money out of the bank before the bank uh, has enough time to really uh, doesn't have enough money to cover all the withdrawals, right? Um, so with that being said. In order to get out of that, it starts to become like a game of cat and mouse to an extent. This is where things got a little interesting and dicey for me, right? So uh, Matt, you know, now he's trying to come up with solutions right? and trying to figure things out. So he, that's, what's his solution? Because that's it. I feel like this is a part of the movie where if you're watching, you either feel Matt or you're like, what are you trying to do, Matt? So, right. Yeah. Again, I think this speaks to Matt being in over his head to an extent. So Matt persuades Mackie and Jackson's character to buy another bank and to put him in charge of it, despite him not really knowing much about banking as a whole, right? Um, he's like, let me, I'll buy the second bank, we'll buy the second bank and we'll transfer these, the loans to this bank. So people, you know, basically it's legit. It's not illegal. It's legit, but on paper it just won't feel like the initial bank is giving out all these loans to black folks which is crazy in concept but it's not even crazy because it's still happening now right so it's like what so so that happens and then they buy the second bank and put him in charge of it right um but that still isn't enough because the initial the bank executive that's been tracking matt from the beginning still starts calling in federal investigators who's trying to check the records of Matt and um, and really just poking in a, a lot of holes in the, in the scenario, mainly because also Matt started doing things without looping in Jackson and Mackie's character, which caused some carelessness and, you know, kind of exposed the full operation of what was going on. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of 
I mean, the big, I don't want to call it the climax of the movie, but it was the turning point where they hadn't done anything illegal. Mm-hmm. It, w- it may have been questionable because they don't want black people owning banks and owning property, but they they legally skirted around those laws and those rules. Right. But the minute Matt got involved with that third, or the second Texas bank, third bank overall, mm-hmm. he put all the banks in jeopardy and he technically did something illegal. Right, yeah. so, right. So it wasn't necessarily Matt and Jack's character. It was Matt who kind of started you know, trying to do things and figure things out without the guidance of Mackie and Jackson, which kind of put, made them all liable at that point. Um, and that's where it got crazy because even like when you realize who was the source of supposedly helping Matt, you know, it was the executive who was trying to get him done in the first place, which to me is like, why would you even go to him for any help or assistance in the first place? Like that, that, that was a careless move right there. Like, you know, um, so once you know discover the the once the the investigator starts really flagging all these issues and the carelessness and the infractions you know all three of them get arrested for violating uh federal banking laws all right um then along the way you know the climax and trying to figure out the resolution along the way matt uh the front for their operation he was facing 50 years he takes a plea bargain by testi- by falsely testifying against uh, Jackson and Mackey that, you know, they duped him and everything like that. And then, you know, the next day at the trial, um, uh, Mackey character testifies and, you know, he didn't want to play ball with... Let me step back, actually, before we talk about that. What we realize is that the prosecution, you know, and I don't know if you picked up on this, Sean, they wasn't really... They weren't even concerned with uh, them being discriminated against because they were black, right? Like, um, that wasn't even the goal of the, the prosecutors. The prosecutors had more of a political agenda that had to do more with the overall banking system. Than, and the laws, yeah. yeah right, like, I, I, there was a scene where the prosecutor said, listen, I know it's messed up, I know it's racist, and I know these laws ain't fair, but we're not even concerned with that. We're concerned about the banking industry, politics. Like they were, they were, in hindsight, they were just pawns in the overall game, right? They didn't even care about the race. He's like, I'm from Arkansas. You ain't got to tell me, but we don't care about that right now. What we care about was uh, legislation that was going to impact the banking industry and that, um, you know, these political folks needed uh, support from and needed funding from these banking. So essentially, Mackie, Jackson, and Matt, those characters were going to be the pawn to get that legislation uh, pushed. They had, they really wasn't even concerned, oh, you can't get a bank loan? Too bad. They didn't care. So they actually advised uh, all the characters, especially Mackie's character, because Mackie was more speaking about the racism that was involved. It's like, go on, go on, go to the hearing, go on trial, say one, two, and three, don't talk about race, and you'll be good, right? And he did the exact opposite. <laughs> the exact opposite. He specifically talked about race, at least in the movie um, he presented us. He talked about, you know, all the underlying issues and, mm-hmm. and basically asking him why are y'all so dead set on keeping and holding us back, really. Right, right. And he bust out the uniform of the uh, work, right. of a workman's uniform. That a he, full circle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he really uh, had um, no, uh, he had no intentions of, working and wearing those uniforms so i mean i think that's the gist of it there's a few little twists towards the end after the prison sentence and all that and i don't think it really 
it doesn't make sense. I don't. I feel like we've gave we've we've give the whole movie away as it is, but we'll we'll save that little nugget for them. <laughs> People still want to uh, watch it yeah. and see. Yeah, there's really no business discussion to be had. On yeah, kind of like on that part. Um, yeah. There's a little twist. It was it cleaned it up a little nicely, but anyway, yeah. So that's the gist of the movie, and now I think we can get into like the the business lessons learned and all of that uh, stuff from here, right? Yeah. Um, I will say just first out the gate, I was I was entertained. That I will say. Um, you know, even if we didn't review this movie for business lessons and, and things like that. Uh, I remember when it was coming out, I remember like seeing it promoted and I was like, oh, this might be something to you know, check out when I get some time. And finally got to see it and it was entertaining, that I will say. I enjoyed the dialogue, uh, I enjoyed the approach. And what I did like, and I don't know, people might come for me. Um, you know, I don't really like, some period pieces I just don't even really gravitate towards. Right, like especially if, like if it's about like racism in the sixties and fifties, you know, um, I kind of feel like I know this already, right? so maybe it's not for me, right? Um, and then when you add in the Hollywood element, there's always like the the common tropes, right? Usually there's like a, a white savior or someone mm-hmm. in there to make it seem like oh, not everyone was bad, which I get is for Hollywood effect, but for me it's kind of like. I don't kind of need it, so usually I just stick to documentaries and books when I when I uh, you know invest time into those topics, right? Uh, but this I really like, I enjoyed. I felt like it wasn't like a, it wasn't heavy handed. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. It wasn't heavy handed. Uh, there there were white saviors, but mm-hmm. they were accurate. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like it, they, these are the doors you could only get through with someone white opening for you. Right. Place. So it made sense that they included those people. And right. And the homie died, so he was in and out. So like <laughs> the story. And even Matt, even though he was a central part of the story, you know, we knew it's established that he's not really a as much as a white savior as because he's a white pawn. He was able to get them through doors, but right, he right. wasn't the mastermind behind anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So right, right. Yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. It was definitely movies, period pieces focused on racism tend to, you know, you, you got to like make it a chore to watch those things, right? If at all. But this didn't feel like that at all, and I felt like every scene I was I was learning something. I wanted to see how much of this stuff you already knew, and maybe if you can even like uh, give me a little more. Uh, context of some of these things that I learned from the movie. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I definitely thought it was, uh, I agree with you in that regard. Alright, well, well I, I do want to visit the stuff that you learned, because I, I want that's interesting, and I just want to make, before we get to that one last point, like, I I like the dialogue, and I, 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 I like I really like the dialogue, like, it was, again, it was it didn't feel cheesy, it, it just felt real, like, oh yeah, this is like, even the, com- the com- uh, comedic moments, it was like, this is real dialogue, you know what I mean? And seeing the difference of personalities between Mackie and um, Jackson, I really enjoyed that. I feel like this is a, a film critic review over a business review instead of a business. All right, so, so let's get into the business. So, but right, it does feel like that. Right, was, I, I was pleasantly surprised at how good the entertainment value was. You know right, I mean? so, right, okay. Um, all right, so first thing I wrote down um, from the business perspective was the cap rate, right? They uh, went in and established how, you know, before people would value real estate. Um, the old way of valuing a building is basically the number of years of rent, the number of years it takes to pay the rent off. The mm-hmm. number of years of rent, let me say this start with it so it's clean, sorry. Mm-hmm. The old way they used to value buildings was uh, the number of years rent it takes to pay off the cost of the building. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anthony Mackey and 
um, you know, some other characters in this film kind of introduced and established the cap rate and how the capitalization rate is kind of a more accurate way of uh, doing that um, equation and figuring mm-hmm. out, you know, what the value of a building is. So I thought that was really interesting. That was new to me. Mm-hmm. So. No, that that was new, you know, as well. Like, there was a lot of, not a lot, actually. I feel like the, the information they provided made it easy to digest, even if you wasn't uh, knowledgeable in real estate investing or even how to go about it. So, yeah, that was good. Um, I It wasn't something that I was aware of. I also, but what I did like or just thought was interesting is the little nuances that uh, Anthony Mackie's character went uh, uh, to find out the true evaluation. You know, he didn't just listen to what the seller was telling him. For instance, when he was trying to figure out what's the vacancy rate on a unit and the guy was telling him, you know, I think it was like 19%, there's 19% vacancy in, or, and, um, and they was like, no, you're lying. And he was like, how do you know? He's like, well, uh, because if you had this many vacancies or occupancies, excuse me, if you had this much occupancies, you would have more lights on. There would be more lights on in your building after five o'clock because it's Love the evening scene. time, right? <laughs> it's like you got too many windows in apartments here that the lights are off after. I, I was like, yes, you know. So that just shows it wasn't just numbers games. But also, where you have to, you know, invoke some of human behavior and patterns into understanding the valuation of something. So, Because that was my question, too, as you were saying. I was like, how do you know his vacancy rate? And they immediately cut to the shot right. of the lights out in the building. I was like, right. that was perfect. That was good. That was, that was definitely a, a good, uh, you know, uh, visual there and just showing how that happened. Um, yeah, so, all right, what, what else did you take away from this? This is a little bit more cap rate stuff, so it's like an offshoot of what we were, uh, what I already discussed, but it was when Matt was trying to negotiate, and he was going back and forth and going to Anthony Mackie, telling him the numbers, and he would go back in the room. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, they got to a point where he gave him two choices. It was like, you can give us this building at an 11% cap rate, mm-hmm. with a t- and your markup for the building is 25%. That's what your profit markup is. Or you can change that to 18% and admit that like you know the cap rate is 10.5% mm-hmm. cap rate. So I just thought it was interesting how... Anthony Mackie had kind of like, he had a plan A and a plan B. It was crazy. He was mm-hmm. really the mastermind of everything. Like, Samuel Jackson was smart, too. He knew his math and everything, mm-hmm. and he was the money guy. But just Anthony Mackie was the brains of everything. If, right. I know we talked about previous movies where your favorite character was. I think Anthony Mackie was mine. Okay, <laughs> so. fair enough. I, I, I like I like Anthony's portrayal. You know, I don't, even when I watch, see him in this movie, and I think I've seen him in some other movies where he, he just seems to have a knack for playing the stiff guy <laughs> to an extent. Like, being yeah. the stiff guy, but also serving as comedy relief without trying. So, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't, I didn't, I don't think I had a favorite character. I just like the dynamic between his character and Jax's character. I just enjoyed that probably more so than anything else. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it too. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, oh, let's let's talk about some lessons learned from this movie. However, um, you know, overall, that I think can be applied to all businesses, right? Um, I think the first one is, uh, know when to stay in your lane. <laughs> uh, now, what, okay, I want uh, you to tell me what are you referring to for that? Because there's an instance where 
I mean, in the beginning of the movie, everyone told him to stay in his lane. Why he didn't realize right, 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 right. But if he didn't push through, you right. know, he wouldn't have got where he was. Exactly. But when he went to Texas, he might could have stayed in his lane. Then, right, so. right. So you know, and when I say stay in lane, it's very broad because I, I, you know, it's funny. Let me rephrase. I don't mean you have to stay in your lane. I was like knowing when and when not to stay in your lane. Maybe let me clarify that up because I wasn't even talking about their characters right now. I was talking about Matt. Actually, oh, okay. yes. <laughs> I was. Well, we could get to uh, Anthony uh, Jackson and Matthew's character as well in regards to staying in your lane. You know, I think for a lot of people, especially when it comes to business and not just people, these corporations, you know, they're successful in one field. Uh, they want to expand into other arenas because, of course, all of these it's all about you know expansion, growth, growth, and expansion. So then you start looking for other opportunities and ways to make more money and, and make the business more successful. And there's nothing wrong with it. I don't think it's anything wrong with it. But I do think there is, you have to be very strategic and knowledgeable when you take these type of risks, which even when you've identified all the risks and try to move accordingly, there's no guarantee that it's going to completely work out, right? And I think we saw that here because at first, Matt, you know, he came up and he was just, he was, at first he was just content with having a well-paying job, right? Uh, and helping fix up the real estate property. And then, you know, once they brought him in, uh, it was like, okay, well, now I'm getting paid way more money than I ever would, you know, for really just being the face of the operations. Then it was like, well, now I want to be partners, right? I want to, I want a little bit more, which obviously is part of, you know, I think a lot of people have this type, that type of ambition. And then from saying I want more and wanting to be a partner to saying, well, now I can run this bank and you don't really have to supervise me. I can do this. And we see the results that uh, it got. Also, we can't be, we can't dismiss the role that Matt Wife's had, my, Matt Wife's wife had. And that's a great point. And impact in his thought process and his judgment as well, which is another lesson in regards to when you are in business and you're trying to figure things out like that. Uh, it's, it, who you're with plays a vital role as well. And I've always felt that. And I think we talked about it in a few episodes. So there's a, there was those were two key takeaways for me there. Yeah, the wife is interesting. We didn't really even get into her. And they didn't really... She had a couple scenes, and mm-hmm. they were all very important. Mm-hmm. But they were, but she was very limited in her um, how much we saw her in the movie. But um, basically, yeah, she's the one who kind of put the... Uh, sorry, my phone went off. Start over. Um, yeah, she's the one who kind of put the battery in his back in terms of, you know, they promised you you'd be a partner and you wanted to do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I mean, he, that was always in the back of his head, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he'd only been doing banking for three months. So <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like a little soon for him to own and run his own bank. Um, so, yeah. you know, so I think her putting that idea in his head and really hinting at it, coming in the room with the lemonade and, you know, mm-hmm. the way she slid hers to him. Like, she was definitely dropping hints like, you deserve more. Right, right. I mean, and let's, I mean, obviously, the racism is all throughout the movie, right? <laughs> like, it's it's the real. And even the wife, you know, like, you can see, like, the wife was okay. She was okay for now. Like, okay, well, it's afforded me this lifestyle, right? Like, Okay, we're doing well, but you know she didn't really like living in Texas for the most part. And then you know whenever Matt was giving props to you know uh, Jackson and Matthew's character about you know these are my friends and I'm learning from them and you know even by just him saying that he was that they were smarter than him, 
you know, she almost caught a conniption. <laughs> like, yes, like they can't be. They can't be. <laughs> like they can't be smarter than you. How how could you? You know, so you you know, it's not we're not saying, you know, um those elements will definitely put you in a place where you might start, you know, making some bad choices because of the influence of the partner. Uh and you know, he's his own person, but definitely had a role with him saying, Okay, I'm trying to own this bank and be ahead of it ASAP instead, right? Yeah, and Anthony Mackie was very um, honest with him. He's like, I don't, I can't speak for. I'm, I'm gonna remember these these character names, <laughs> but, but he was like, you know, Samuel Jackson's character. I can't speak for him, but I'm not comfortable with that. Right, right. So, so yeah, so yeah. Um, I think you know. Also, obviously, we talk about this all the time, but you know, knowing who your partners are and the goals of your partners when you're going into a business arrangement like that's i feel like every every book every movie we've seen with partners that's always a key takeaway knowing who your partners are being on the same page with your partners and just kind of understanding what is the what's the vision you know and maybe there's a shared vision up until a certain point and then you just you know you go your separate ways but just kind of understanding where everybody's thinking so that there isn't uh, a lot of friction along the way. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Because when it was good, it was good, right? When it was everybody's making money in LA or uh, California, it wasn't an issue. But, you know, of course, sometimes you have to convince your partners. But, you know, I know, you know, Samuel Jackson's character, a.k.a. Joe Morris, had no issue staying in California and just making money. You know, uh, he really had no vision of ever going to Texas and setting up shop there. And it was the vision of his partner that kind of led him down there. And then also when you think about what was the vision for Matt, Matt wanted to, uh, you know, be the head of his own business, which he still could have been. But maybe if there was conversations around what that timeline looks like. Right. Yeah, timeline. And I, and I think one thing we didn't mention is how, you know, Matt started his own business as he was younger, a failed yes. uh, ice cream drive through business. So that's really <laughs> right. part of his character and what established his desire for wanting to own that bank that really unraveled everything. Right. He definitely, yeah, he had a failed business and, you know, he looked at this opportunity to kind of redeem himself and make things, you know, right and stuff. So, you know, but yeah. definitely the partnership is key. Um, also, this is always, this always gets, uh, people, as I always feel, feel, uh, is the legal paperwork, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's not attractive. It's not romantic. It's not, it's not cute, but you know, the importance of having paperwork and having things in writing is so important. Yeah. And a lot of times we forego that for the sake of friendship or because it creates these uncomfortable uh, conversations that we may not want to deal with uh, in business. But as we've seen, saw in this movie, um, obviously, let's 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 talk about. It. Obviously, a lot of the paperwork couldn't uh, have happened because of racism, right? Uh, but there are certain instances where you know I would I would see and I'd be like, hmm, a contract would have would have. This movie would have been over 30 minutes ago. <laughs> right. Like specifically when that first uh, white gentleman died yeah. and the wife basically, you know, sold him pennies on the dollar all this right. property that he owned with him. Yeah, a, a contract there would have helped that. A, a contract out the gate would have would have helped that um, and, and get that solidified. And then, I mean, again, I also feel like some type, and this also talk about who your partners are and, and the vision. I also think some type of official, again, probably couldn't do it because of the racism and the laws back then, 
But even, you know, if there was some secret legal document binding Matt with Joe Morris and, you know, Bernard Garrett, uh, binding them all three together so that Matthew didn't really go rogue. And I don't I don't really know if him going rogue is the right term to use, but yeah, you know. because he was within the confines of what they were trying to do. He just right. didn't have the knowledge right. to do it properly. Yeah. Right. So he kind of got caught up. But then, of course, that would have probably opened up another. You know, there's a lot of doors that one thing begets another. So one thing about trying to, you know, trying to open up a bank, things got to be quiet in one place. So maybe it can't be legal documents somewhere else. Right. So that put them in a whole different dicey scenario. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, I mean. Uh, I'm going to ask you, unless you had another point you wanted to make, but I'm going to ask you overall, uh, you know, like we always do, what would you grade this movie? Well, before I get that, I just I don't want to be dismissive of one other character element, which is Nia Long. Uh, she was... Oh, true, true. <laughs> uh, how could we forget Nia Long, right? Uh, I know. No. But uh, Nia Long played um, uh, Eunice Garrett, which is the wife of Anthony Mackie's character in the movie. And, you know, I, I, I like her portrayal of the character, you know, I actually thought she could have been given more screen time, actually, um, in the overall telling of the story. She, she's, uh, just her perspective, you know, cause obviously they're dealing with racism, but she's dealing with racism and sexism. Right. Yeah. And so like the dialogue, uh, between her and, uh, Matt character in certain scenes was, I thought were very good, you know, because he has ambition and he wants to do more. And she was like, well, sure. You want to do more. I want to do more. Right? She's like, I'm not only am I black, I'm a woman. You know what I mean? And it was uh, a scene where, you know, he's serving as the president of the bank and she's there, uh, pretending to be the cleaning lady, uh, working as the cleaning lady, not even pretending she's legit working as the cleaning lady, but she's working there to manage Matt, right? Like the cleaner yeah, lady, they're keeping an eye on him because he has, he doesn't have that that knowledge, right? Right, right. And then when the scene, when when the bank closed, you know, um, you know, um, you know, when the bank closes, he's like, you know, oh, uh, you don't have to do that anymore. And you know, they just have they whole they whole dialogue. And I thought, as a whole, her just her character was very good. You know, she introduced Mackie to uh, Jackson's character. You know, she was a catalyst for a lot of things. And yet you can tell, like, if given the same opportunity, she probably would have been a powerhouse in her own right, doing something. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like I liked her character a lot as well. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry. So the initial question was. Uh, which is what would you uh, uh, on a I forget I think we do A B C D scale that's what we do. Da- yeah. Danny and Sean at the movie theaters. What's our grade? Uh, yeah. <laughs> hold on. Uh, what was the grading system again? I didn't hear. I you. think we did A B C D. That's pretty sure that's what we've been doing. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, for me, it was an A in my opinion. It was an A. I was entertained. Um, I was entertained, and I thought it was. It, a good balance, especially for these type of movies, which, like I said before, uh, it's kind of hit or miss with me if I if I usually like these type of movies. Um, and this was a hit for me. It was solid. All right. So uh, using our normal rating system, a, a letter grade, what would you give this movie? I, I would give it an A. You know, um, I enjoyed it. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I know for me, that's always interesting because, um, you know, these period pieces is kind of hit or miss for me uh, on if I'm going to like it or not or if I'm going to have any 
personal issues, right? Uh, and But overall, I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I thought the dialogue was good. The history was good. Um, the lessons and just the, it was a good business mix of business, history, culture, uh, telling of the story of the time. And so I thought it, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think I'm grading it a little lower than you only because of how it ended. Um, and without Fair. giving it away, Fair I, enough. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if they added the ending for the movie. I, I gotta look that up. I should do my independent research. Uh, the, the ending felt like tacked on. It felt tacked on. All right. Yeah, so you know what? Yeah. So I, that's what made it a B for me. That, that's only. Thing. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Maybe an A minus, B plus, A minus. All right. I'll give you that. Actually, that before you jumped in, I was literally about to mention that like. There is a part of me that felt like the ending was a little bit, it, it kind of, you know, it didn't make me annoyed, but it felt like, that eh, sounds a little too clean, too, too, it, it, it just felt a little off, right? Yeah, it didn't feel as authentic as the rest of the As the, the rest that of the movie. The one part. That, yeah, that, yeah. All right, fair enough. You took the words, I was literally, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. The ending just felt a little bit off. I actually, I started... I started researching the facts. And that's another thing about these type of movies because I'm always the one to be like, what was true and what wasn't, which is why I just prefer to watch a documentary instead than a Hollywood depiction of it. Um, so some of it is true. I'm still searching to see if all of it is true. And I'll, I'll let the audience, you know, when y'all go watch the movie to, to understand what we're talking about. So some of it is true, but I'm still trying to figure out if all of it is true. So... Okay, we right. can we can adjust a low A, strong B. Okay, well everything you said, like the acting, the mm -hmm. dynamic between the characters, like I loved all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool, cool. So I think that's a wrap. Uh, unless you got some other items you would like to discuss about this movie. No, I think we pretty much hit it all. And then I again I learned about the cap rate, mm -hmm. um, so that was cool to learn. And then it was palatable. It didn't feel like too much. Yeah, so. uh, yeah. I think like if you want to just be entertained and get some, you know, tidbits about business along the way and as well as history and Jim Crow and you get a lot in <laughs> one movie. So yeah, for sure. So that's a wrap on this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and thoughts around this movie and hopefully uh, provided you with some value and insight as you navigate through your business journey and personal life. Uh, as always, if you have a question you would like us to answer on the show, shoot us a message on any of our social media channels or shoot us an email at questions at businessgrindshow.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share on Spotify and iTunes. See you again soon. In the meantime, keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors. I'm out here on the grind. I'm out here on the grind.